33. We've got two scriptures that we've been kind of bouncing our whole series off of. The first one is Psalm 133. Is it up there? Yeah, there you go. Okay, so Psalm 133. This is God's community. Say this with me. There it is right there. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Okay, that's just about God's community. You know, God, God looks down at us. He goes, yeah, but my people are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing together, working together. You know, like a, like a team, every player doing their part. When that's happening, God calls that good and pleasant. Now, that's a good thing. When God says something you're doing is good and pleasant, that's a good, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's what we live for. That's what we want, it, that's what we want to happen, right? I want to live my life so, in such a way that I please my Father in heaven, right? Right? That's what I want to do. I just want to please God. Right? And the second passage is in John 17. It's about a going community. It's about us being God's community in the world. Right? And here's the passage. Read this one with me. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the, the whole goal of the first community is to reach the world and bring them in to God's community. That they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and find hope. And be a part of that eternal community that will never die. Like, like, that's the community you get to be a part of. Like, don't we want everyone to be a part of that? I mean, that's like a treasure greater than any treasure. Right? That's a, that's a treasure greater than the whole world and, and all the riches of this world. That one treasure of being a part of God's kingdom and his community is greater than anything. And we can share that. Like, I can't share a million dollars with you because I don't have it. But I can share the kingdom of God with you because God has given it to us. So the one thing that is most important, we can share and we must share. Right? I mean, we should. We should. We should share enough. Today, uh, we're looking at Matthew chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 18. Uh, we're going to look at uh, a little leading up to this uh, passage that we're going to kind of look at, a couple verses. But in Matthew 18, the disciples, verse 1, the disciples come to Jesus. They do that a lot, right? They got a lot of questions for Jesus. I wish we had them all recorded. We don't. But we do have certain ones. And this is another one of those where the disciples kind of come to Jesus. They've probably been talking over there. You know, behind the trees together, you know, talking about things, right? And uh, they finally work up the nerve to go to Jesus and just flat out ask him. And so verse 1, at that time, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now that's a pretty crazy question, right? Maybe they were thinking, you know... Please say me, please, 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 please say me, 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 you know. Or maybe they were saying, just say us, you know, the 12, we're the greatest, you know. Isn't that so us? All right, we just want to be the greatest. Like, like if you have more than one kid, they all want to be the favorite, right? Right? And they compete. Oh, you're the favorite. Your dad's favorite. Right? What do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that? Huh, what do you do with that? Kevin, what do you do with that? You're all my favorite, right? Okay. <laughs> you're my favorite today. That's what I usually say. You're my, I usually say you're my favorite oldest child, and you're my favorite youngest child. You know, I just got to slide through that way. The middle ones, that's always harder, you know. 
got two in the middle also, so soon the grandkids will be asking, Dad, who's your favorite grandkid? Papa, who's your favorite So the disciples come and they ask him, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And, and look what happens. This is like the little one's section, okay? Because Jesus, look what he does in verse 2. He calls a little one, a little child. He places among them, and he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like this, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? So in their, like, maybe prideful state of asking Jesus this question, Jesus brings a little child in, and he says, unless you become humble like this little child, you're not even going to be in the kingdom, let alone great. Wow, that's that they, they had to back off, right? At that moment, they're backing up going, whoa, wasn't expecting that, right? That's just kind of like mind-blowing. He brings this little child in, and we're supposed to become like this child. That's not what we had in mind. I thought we had to do great things, you know, like conquer the world for God. And so throughout this section, he talks about Children and becoming like children and not causing, look at the next little section, not causing these little ones to stumble, right? And in uh, verse uh, 10 and following, see uh, that you do not despise one of these little ones. And he, he's focusing their hearts on being humble, being like a child, like, like letting go of all the adult stuff that keeps people segregated and separated, right? Let go of all that. Children don't care, right? They don't care. They just play. All right? You take my toy, I knock you down and take it back. You know, kids just do what comes natural. Right? They just play. They're not, they're not worried about being political or they're not worried about like who, who's got the upper hand or, or any of that. They just are innocent kids playing. That's what they do. And Jesus is telling these guys, you know, unless you become like little children, you're not even going to see the kingdom of heaven. Become like child children. We come to verse 19 and 20. Look what he says. Again, truly I tell you, this is our verse, that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. That's what we're going to talk about right now. That's the point of today. Living in community means a lot of things. We talked about several things, but today, living in community means dwelling in the presence of God. That's what it means. Like, what other place would you rather be? Where else would you rather be? Right? That in the presence of God. And, and, and if you just think for a minute about what it means to be in the presence of God or, or what, you, what posture you should take knowing that you are in the presence of God, your whole life will change, right? I mean, when you realize that you are living because of his grace in the presence of God every day, if that doesn't change you, nothing will. Right? Nothing's going to change your heart if that doesn't. Knowing that you're living in his presence. Living in community means dwelling in the presence of God. And he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. This is a promise from God to be with us, to be with you. God says, I will be with you. Like, isn't that comforting to know? Because we go through all kinds of stuff. 
right? You come east, you talk to people that many are, are just destroyed. Their lives are destroyed. Their homes are destroyed. They don't know what they're doing. They, many of them are misplaced. They don't, they, they're bouncing from family member to family member living. It's, it's terrible. Everybody you talk to, there's something going on that is just way greater than anything any of us are going through. And, and you can be a blessing to them if you come. Really, you can. But you get an opportunity to pray with people, and you get an opportunity to help people realize that God is with them. And that is the greatest thing that you could ever tell anyone, right? Is that God is with you no matter what happens in this world. You know, no matter how, what happens to you, no matter what you're going through, God has promised to be with us and he is with you. So this promise that Jesus makes right here, it's like a confirmation of John 14, 18, when Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promised that. And Jesus fulfills his promise. It's also a reassurance that the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is also the presence of the Father and the Son in your life. They are living there in you, with you. I mean, that's awesome. It's powerful. That's so big, isn't it? I mean, that, that's a game changer. It changes everything for us. Like people who don't have this hope that aren't a part of the community of God, they don't have this to hold on to. So they turn to everything out there that they can to find hope and to find a reassurance and to find value and to find purpose. And we have a king who loves us and is with us. We don't need anything else, really. Everything else will be taken care of. He will make sure of it. So there's two critical truths that I want to share with you about God's presence. Okay, Just two things real quick. Number one is this. Living in his presence is glory. Everybody say glory with me. Glory. glory. All right, glory. That's a good word. It makes you smile when you say it. You cannot say glory and not smile, right? So, so say glory often, okay? Glory. Because when you are living in God's presence, you are living in glory. That's huge, y'all. That's big. That's not living in riches. Riches are nothing. Riches are rags compared to glory, right? All the stuff we have, all the things we have, anything we can attain or achieve is rags compared to glory. And we as God's people living in his community and his kingdom are living in glory. That is awesome. Not just one day in the future, but right now. His glory is with us. That's huge. That is, if that doesn't change your life or change the world for you, there isn't much that will because nothing is greater than knowing that God's presence is with you, and that means glory. In the Old Testament, this special presence of God was referred to later on in the New Testament period by the Jewish rabbis as the Shekinah glory, the Shekinah glory of God. That's how they referred to it when they fought back about how God dwelled among his people and how he appeared to his people and how he showed up with his people and how he walked with his people, the Shekinah glory. That's how they re referred to God's presence with them. It was there in Solomon's temple between the cherubim and the mercy seat of God as the glory of God in a cloud shone brightly with power and awe. It was the Shekinah glory that he's referring to that the Lord went before them in a pillar of a cloud, right? That glory, that brightness, that brilliance of God, his glorious light, showing that his presence was there with them. That's powerful. I don't know about you, but that's intense. Isn't it? I mean, that's just power. 
that is like just being their power that, that is just so, so strong and is able to overcome everything and anything that you will ever face in this world. See, this glory, this glory meant the resting place of God. Just think about that. Just think about that. God's resting place. Not us taking a nap, but God resting on you. That's intense. That God, the creator of the universe, wants to rest on you. Do you even know that? Do we live that? Do we sense that? Do we like long for that? That's intense. But this is scripture. God wants to rest on you. And you just got to let him. Right? That's the only thing keeping it from happening is you letting him, God among his people, just resting among his community as God fulfilled his promises to Abraham. Right? What God said in the Old Testament and his descendants about the promised land, right? That God would give him the promised land, and he did. That God would make him a great nation, and he did. That God would promise Abraham that he would be a spiritual blessing to the world, and he was. As God said, I will give you this inheritance, and I will always be with you. The presence of God with you. See, that's greater than the land. That's greater than the blessings. That's greater than the descendants. That God is with you. It's the most important thing you can have. Right? That's it. You have God's presence with you. You've got it all. Don't you? Like in 100 years from now, what's going to matter? I'm not talking about thinking back about your, your kids or your grandkids. I mean, what about you in 100 years from now? When you're no longer on the planet, what really is going to matter? I'll tell you what, the presence of God in your life right now. That's all that will matter then. Right? That's all that's going to matter. The rabbis had a saying that if two, two people sat at a table and conversed about the law of God, the Shekinah rested upon them. Isn't that cool? Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. That's a powerful community, isn't it? I want to live in that. I don't know about you. And I think maybe we get going too fast to live in that. We're moving too fast for God, aren't we? We, we may, maybe just need to slow down enough so we can just rest in God and God can rest on us. He doesn't have to chase us around. Right? Just slow down and let his presence rest on you. And I talk about surrendering to God and, and people wonder, like, well, how do I do that? What does that even mean? To surrender to God, to let God just rest on me? Well, it's simple. It just means just slow down and, and give him everything, your thoughts, do it his way. Seek him with all your heart. Worship him with everything in you. Just be God-minded and God-focused. And his presence will rest on you and, and have all of you. Talk about being in the presence of greatness, right? Have you ever been in the presence of greatness? 
Anybody? Maybe you've been in the presence of Billy Graham. Anybody ever meet Billy Graham? A couple people. Maybe Muhammad Ali. Who, who, who would you consider to be the coolest person you've ever met? Anybody? Go ahead. Coolest person you've ever met? Michael Jordan. Shook his hand. High five. <laughs> Who else? Greatest person you've ever met? Come on. Go ahead. Don't be afraid. Who? Who'd you meet? Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger. <laughs> Jerry Garcia, maybe. I can top all of them. I met Cool Drew Brees. You get it? Cool Brees. Um, coolest guy I ever met. No, not really, but didn't meet him. So if you're a disciple, if you're a disciple of Jesus, just put your hand up. Okay. Look around. Just look to your left, look to your right real quick. See who's your hands up? Let me tell you this. If your hand is up, you are a son or a daughter of the King of Glory. Amen. You are sitting among greatness now. <laughs> if you met like the president's child, you'd be go, whoa, this is pretty cool. But you are standing, sitting, singing, serving right next to children of God. And we don't even realize it. See, we miss it. We're too busy. Too busy running our own little life. We miss it. What an honor it is to come into the presence and to dwell in the glory of God and have his glory rest on you and you rest in him and he rests on us as a community. Don't miss his glory. Don't miss his glory. Slow down if you have to. But don't live your life missing his glory. That would be a crime. The second thing is this, living in his presence it's not only glory, but it's active. God's presence is always active. He's always in the business of changing things, moving, making us better, making us like Christ, transforming our thinking, transforming our lives, transforming his body, transforming his community and the church, moving out into the world, into the darkness with the, the light of his glory in his people, his community. Christ promised a real, actual, present, though invisible, as real as the resurrection. Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered, I will be there in their midst. I will be with you. The Shekinah glory will be among you, will rest upon you, and be with you wherever you go. There I am, Jesus said, in their midst. He's here in our midst. Did you hear that? I don't know how that changes anything for you, but God said he would be in our midst if we gathered in his name. Maybe we should just sit in silence for an hour when we come in here. And just maybe even in that hour, maybe begin, just begin to hear him. Right? Because you don't hear him, you don't hear him that quickly. I don't hear him that quickly. It takes time. It takes time of just worshiping and singing and praying to, to begin to just, just to begin to just like get the, the, the worldly stuff away. You know what I mean? It's like when you clean your house or your teenager's bedroom, right? You can't even see the floor for a while. 
Cool. And and you have to like like sort and and you have to peel all this stuff away. And then there's the floor. He does have a floor. Right? That's how it and I don't know about you, but that, that's how it is, you know, when you pray, when you pray. Like you can pray, God, thank you for this food, blah, 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 blah. And it, it's just so surface, just straight up. But if you take time to really seek God and to pray, you know what I'm talking about. You know it takes time for your thoughts just to settle in. Right? Just to get rid of these thoughts. Okay, what are we having for dinner? Where are the kids at today? Where are the grandkids? Oh, my daughter this, my son that. You know, all these thoughts just bombard. As soon as you get quiet, doesn't that happen? And it just takes time just to, to get all that away so you can just hear from God. Like God's presence. Jesus said, I am in your midst right now. And this promise implies that the all-knowing, the all-present God is here among us. The Shekinah presence of God. There I am in your midst. That ought to change the way we do things, right? That ought to change the way we live our life. You know, we take, Bruce just shared about communion. We take communion uh, every week. Some people take it once a year, once a quarter, whatever. And they talk about it getting too familiar. You know what I mean? I get too used to it. Well, if, you get, if we're going to get too used to taking communion once a week, what are we doing with the presence of God every minute? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're getting too familiar with it. We're running our own little lives, and we're not even we're not even considering the presence of God resting on us. Because we're too busy, me too. I'm not saying this that I got this. I don't. I'm way far away. But the Shekinah presence of glory, Jesus in our midst wants to like be over us. He wants to like rule in our hearts. He wants to direct our steps. He wants to assist us in, in decisions that we make and confirm what we do and bring blessing and success to what we do in his name. If we'll just stop long enough to listen, right? He's actively working around us and in us, through us. Wow, the presence of God in his people, that is the greatest treasure you could ever have, right? I mean, isn't it? That's worth more than gold right there. There's some scriptures that talk about God's actively working in us. The New Testament confirms the active presence of God. Look at these verses. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is what? It's alive and it's active. Right? The word of God, not just the written word of God, but the living, breathing Jesus word of God is, is working in us, moving in us. He's alive and he's active. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who is at work in you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, right? And Hebrews 13 says, he will equip you in every good, in, in every good thing you do to do his will, right? In everything you do to do his will. See, God's presence is powerful and glorious. And it's many, many, many things. But one thing, it is not. It is not passive. God's presence is not passive. And we see the, this idea of the Shekinah glory even brought into the New Testament at the birth of Jesus in Luke 2 when, when an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And what? They were terrified because that's what happens when the Shekinah glory of God is present with his people. You just kind of get quiet. And you don't know what to do because you sense a lot of power is in your presence all of a sudden. And God is about to do something amazing. 
And God wants to do something amazing, and he wants us to experience that if we'll just slow down and let him. Right? If we'll just give him the opportunity. And in the incarnation of Jesus Christ in John 1, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The glory of God upon his people. And community means living and dwelling in the glory and the presence of God. That's what it means. That's what it means. So as a community... Living in God's presence is glory. And living in God's presence is active. His powerful presence can move mountains, right? Even, even your mountain, whatever mountain you're facing, God's presence, his glory can move it. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you do. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, the scripture says this, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. I like that, don't you? Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. You know what that is? That's God's community. Talking together. Sharing life together. They talked together with each other. And guess what happened? The Lord listened. Why? Because he promised to be with us. Right? I don't deserve it. But he said he'd do it. If I'll just trust him, and if I'll just surrender to him, and if I'll just give him all of me. And the Lord listened, and the Lord heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written in his, in his presence. Right? In the presence of God was the community of God's people who feared the Lord and talked together, and God's presence was upon them concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. That's what we need to do, honor his name. In verse 17, the Lord said, they will be my treasured possession. That's what you are. You are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are sitting in the presence of greatness. Greater than any athlete out there. Greater than any person on the planet. You are sitting in the presence of greatness. God is continually at work among his people. Right? Like leading. Like urging us. Like prompting us and calling us. Actively working within you. Wow, just let him. Just let him. Is he, is he working in you? That's the question, right? Is God effectively working in me? And if so, where is the evidence that God is working in my life? Where is the evidence? Because if God is at work, big things are going to happen, right? I mean, people's lives around us are going to be changed if God is truly living in here. Working through here. It's going to change lives, isn't it? There's going to be evidence.